There's no room. I can remember uttering those words years ago. It was the time of the census, you see, uh, when Caesar had issued a decree that, an, that the, an, a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And so everyone went to their hometown to register. It didn't bother me any. I was born and raised in Bethlehem. My grandfather's father built the inn in Bethlehem Hills. Now, it's no luxury resort or anything, uh, but, you know, it is clean, right? And I'm a friendly guy. So people come to my inn all the time, businessmen mostly, uh, just, you know, random people coming and going, looking for a place to stay. We don't get too many families coming through town, though, which is okay with me. Because, to tell you the truth, I don't like kids all that much. (laughs) No offense to the present company. No, really, kids are okay, but baby kids, with all their yelling and screaming and eating and pooping, I don't know. They, They tend to keep the other guests up at night, which is not good for business. Unlike the census, the census was very good for business and it brought families. It brought so many families. There were kids running up and down the halls, tripping on toys, chaos everywhere. Well, one night I had to tell a family no, and I'll never forget it because Something really strange happened that night in my inn, and I'm here to tell you, you don't want to make the same mistake I did that night. Mary, hold on, just stay right there. I'm going to go down this last street. There's got to be a room down here somewhere. Just hold on. Excuse me, do you have any? Oh, uh, I guess no room. Okay. Um. Oh, where? Oh, not this way. Gotta go this way. Okay, okay. Oh, angels, dreams. I mean, come on, God. There's gotta be room somewhere, anywhere. Oh, okay. This is the last door. Okay. Excuse me, but do, do you have any room? Um, my, my wife's about to have a baby, and we don't, we don't have anywhere to stay. <laughs> Forget it, man. We are booked, and there's kids everywhere. Didn't you see the sign outside? It says, no vacancy. I don't have any room for you. What are you deaf? But she's she's pregnant. Don't can't you have any room? No room. 
I couldn't fit you if I wanted to. But she she could give birth at any second. Is that her down there? Yeah. Yeah. So, sure enough, as I looked down the street at his wife and I looked at his face, I realized she really could burst at any moment. Oh, I I hate bursting. I, I don't like bursting at all. Um, I passed out cold both times my kids were born. But as I looked at him and I looked at his wife, I thought, I just, I suddenly realized that helping them is something that I should do. This strange feeling came over me. You should help them. But what am I going to do? I have no room. There's already a million kids in my inn. And the last thing I need is a mother in labor and a screaming newborn. So I thought about it some more. Finally, I went to him and I said, All right, I'll tell you what. Down there, there's an animal stall where I keep the sheep and the goats and stuff. Okay. Um, There's some fresh hay in there. Uh, That's the best I can do, man. That's all the room I have. Thank you. Thank you so much. We we can never repay you. Mary, Mary, we have a place to stay. Well, off they went. And my wife went out for a few times and helped uh, give, give them some blankets and, um, and, and helped with the birth even a little bit. And so she came back later and she told me, hey, that baby was born. I couldn't sleep that night. I was tossing and turning, thinking that I should have invited that couple in. Think about happy, how happy he would have been if I had done that. There was a star that night, right over Bethlehem. It was so bright that there was no way it was an accident. Some people came to see the birth, too. Lots of people, actually, for my little animal stall. There were some shepherds that came, and they told this crazy story about uh, the angels coming and talking to them and, and saying to go find the Messiah The Messiah? Still, even the animals seemed to huddle closely around that child that night. Like they knew something I didn't.
Matthew's version of the Christmas story, it says it this way. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what was written in Isaiah the prophet, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I heard of another nativity play once, and there was a young boy that was named Wally. Wally was big for his age, even as a seven-year-old. Everyone wondered what role the teacher would give him in the annual Christmas play, especially considering the fact that Wally was a little bit of a slow learner. Perhaps some thought he could pull the curtain. To everyone's surprise, the teacher gave Wally the role of the innkeeper. The boy, of course, was delighted, and all he had to do was learn one line, there is no room in the inn. He had that line down cold. Then came the night for the program. The parents took their places. Every seat in the auditorium was filled. The children entered singing, O come, all ye faithful. The lights dimmed and a hush moved over the audience. The curtain opened on scene one. Mary and Joseph entered the stage and walked up to the inn. Please, sir, my wife is not well. Could we have a room for the night? Wally was ready for his line. He had rehearsed it all night and for weeks on end before. He began, there is, and he hesitated. He started over again, there is, and again, his mind went completely blank. Everyone was embarrassed for him, but poor Wally just didn't know what to do. Joseph, the boy playing Joseph thought he would improvise and started walking away toward the stage on the stable on stage left. Seeing him walking away, Wally in desperate desperation called out, Look, there's plenty of room at my house. <laughs> that seems a rather delightful twist on a familiar story. You see, over the years, the characters in the Christmas story have become clearly defined for us. The issues all seem all so clear-cut. Herod was a villain in causing the census. And the wise men were heroes. The shepherds were heroes. And the innkeeper, well, the poor innkeeper has gone down as one of the heavies in the story. In our mind's eye, we envision him as a crotchety old man with a nightcap on his head, sticking his head out of a second-story window and tersely shouting, "'Take the stable and leave me alone!' But perhaps the innkeeper has received bad press. Preachers over the centuries have had a field day with the poor fellow. But it wasn't his fault that his inn had 12 rooms instead of 13. 
Was it his fault that Caesar Augustus had issued the decree to the entire world that they should be taxed? Was it his fault that Mary and Joseph were so late in arriving that night? But it wasn't just about what happened to that innkeeper and Mary and Joseph that night. You see, the coming of Jesus into the world as Emmanuel, God with us, impacted wise men from a whole other part of the world, as well as nearby shepherds. Shepherds were given an angelic visit and told to go and find the child that would be placed in a manger. Shepherds had a sign to be able to see Jesus for themselves. But then that town received some real dignitaries. Magi, they called themselves, wise men from the east, said they were drawn by a star and had heard the Messiah, the Savior, was to be born in Bethlehem. I remember hearing those stories growing up. I remember that one of the prophets, Micah, it was said, said something about Bethlehem being the place where this Messiah would be born, a descendant of David who would come and be the Savior of his people. Well, those magi came bearing gifts. They brought him gold like he was a king. They gave him frankincense like they use in the temple and myrrh. People haven't been sure what to do about myrrh and why they would have brought that as a gift. You see, myrrh was often used in the burial rites of the Jewish people. So the wise men could indeed have been pointing to the person and ministry of Jesus, that he would come as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, even though he wasn't otherwise recognized that night, that he would be a priest who would ultimately lay his life down in sacrificial death in order to be truly Jesus, the one who saves. We can't say a lot more about what happened at that inn after that one night. We could imagine life got back to normal for that innkeeper, people coming and going, staying and leaving. But that boy, that boy born in the stable, distinguished himself as a great rabbi. He told really good stories, even did some amazing things, performed miracles, healing people and helping people. He had quite a following before he became crucified. But then some of his friends started saying that he didn't stay dead, even said that they saw him again. Imagine that, risen from the dead, but that he was alive. I wonder about that innkeeper. If he had had a second chance, would he have made a different decision? Would he have made room in his home for him that time? You know, we all need a second chance. We all need the opportunity to welcome Jesus into our hearts and lives After we've blown it before, I remember deciding that I was going to make room for Jesus in my life when I was 17 after having blown it. I invited Jesus into my heart and my life and invited him to take over any room he wanted, to stay as long as he wanted, to take over my life and allow him to lead me and guide me. But how about you? What will you do? The Bible tells us that Jesus said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, just like Joseph knocked on the door of the innkeeper. Jesus knocks on the doors of our hearts, and it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Similarly, I love the words from O Little Town of Bethlehem, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, 
So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. You see, each of us is like that innkeeper who decides whether there is room in our hearts and in our lives for Jesus. This last week, somebody gave me a gift, and it was called the innkeeper's key. And I read the story associated with this key. It said, Mary and Joseph had come to stay, but each lodging place turned them away. At the last place they tried, still no room at all, except for a simple hay-filled stall. Thanks to one man's kindness, to those needy strangers, Jesus' life began safe in a lowly manger. The innkeeper's key is now a symbol of how a simple act filled the world with great love. If we keep this key and think about it, we can remember God's love is the reason we are filled with blessings each Christmas season. But that isn't all of it. We're to keep a key like this and think about this to remember the reason that not only is it about one season, but that there are people around the world in our lives each and every day who are sad, lonely, ill, bereaved, and they have no certain season to show their need. We have a key, like the innkeeper did. Jesus gave to each one of us, saying, Love one another as I have loved you. In other words, this is a key to let God's light shine through. You know, this something, this simple statement about there being no room in the inn becomes a symbol for Luke. That one line is reflective of his whole gospel. There is no room in the inn shows us how this phrase recurs again and again throughout Jesus' ministry in a way. You see, the question that Luke leaves us is, is there, will, will there be any room for Jesus in our society? And history shows that there was no room for Jesus in the economic world. People don't want to allow his kingdom values to impact the way we give and the way we serve and what we use, how we use our finances. There's no room for Jesus in the legal realm. People don't want his balance of grace and truth in the world. There seems to be no room for Jesus in the realm of religious order. Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law put him to death. And there's no room for Jesus in the world of politics, especially today, where people hang on to power versus using it to serve the people. What about us? Is there room for Jesus in our lives? Centuries before Jesus' life, Isaiah the prophet said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' light is meant to shine into our lives and through our lives to illuminate all around us so that other people can see Jesus as well. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, like Jesus is the light of the world, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So friends, this Christmas, let him in and let his light shine in your life and illuminate your life once again. 
Give him the opportunity to come in and make all things new. How can we do this? We can get into God's word by allowing its truth to impact us. And I want to extend an invitation to you that we're going to be inviting our church family to go through the Bible in 2023 to allow the truths of God's word to impact us more and more directly. On January 1st, New Year's Day, we're going to have one church service here at 10 a.m. And there'll be a reading plan handed out and an opportunity to read through God's word to allow it to have more and more of a role in our lives. Secondly, I want to encourage you to get into a group or community. Find a place here at the church or in another place of fellowship, if you don't live in this town, to connect with other people who are connecting over God's word, to allow the truth of his word to, to impact your life through the words and the encouragement of other people. You see, God's word, Jesus, is best allowed in in the context of community. And lastly, I want to encourage you to be a part of getting the word out, to share what you're learning about Jesus. Share what you learned about him this night, that he wants to be found in each one of us, that he's knocking on the door of people's hearts and waiting to be invited in. You can share the good news of Jesus with all you come into contact with. For us as a church, we're excited about neighbors moving in next door this next month and being able to help them move in, greet them with the love of Jesus, and share the good news with them. Whether it's them or a fellowship of Christian athletes in a Nevada Union campus, high school campus, whether it's your neighbors or friends, everyone needs to know whether they know whether there's heart, room in their hearts for him. And that Jesus' great desire is to come in to make all things new. As we continue in worship tonight, I'm going to invite Bo to come up. We're going to be singing another song. But as we do so, uh, we are also going to be lighting the Christ candles uh, that you were given as you came in and preparing to go out to illuminate the world. You see, these candles are a symbol of the light of Christ that is meant to shine in each one of our hearts and our lives. And as we light these candles and as we share the light of God's love in this way, my hope and prayer is we not only know that love that is for us, but we know that that love is for the world. And we become part of God's plan to share that good news with all who are here. You see, it wasn't just for shepherds and wise men. It's for you and me to go and share the good news of our Savior's birth that is meant to continue to impact this whole world. God, we thank you for this night, this opportunity to offer ourselves to you, to receive your light, Jesus, and to welcome your light into our lives. We pray that as we receive your light, you would let our light shine for you. In this weary, dark world, would we be good witnesses to the fact that our Savior has come And he wants to make room in our hearts for him. In Jesus' name, amen.